0: Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And Dr. Lo Yunhua is a physician who is currently based in Miri and has spent much of her career serving the people across Sarawak. Now she spent the early years of her career working with the Flying Doctor Service with the Baram Health District that was in the 80s and later on continuing to work um, in her own clinic and with local grassroots communities and organisations in providing healthcare services um, to communities across the state. Now in conjunction with Malaysia Day. Dr. Lowe is joining me on the show today to give us a glimpse into what it was like serving on the flying doctor service and how her experiences then have also shaped how she views her profession now. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Dr. Lowe. Now, I want to start by getting to know you a bit better. Um, Tell me, what was your journey into medicine like? Was it something that you had always wanted to do?
1: Yeah, to tell you the truth, um, I have always wanted to be a journalist because I love reading about stories and all this. So taking up medicine was actually uh, a little bit incidental because at that time, a lot of my classmates happened to take up medicine and also there was a scholarship for medicine but none for journalism so it was good to apply and besides my favourite subjects in school were always biology so it fits in. And also medicine has been, it's a very uh, helpful subject because when I was young, I used to see people who are sick and wonder why they were sick. After I took up medicine, I really enjoyed doing it. I have no regrets.
0: Mm. What was uh, When was your first posting and, and where was it too?
1: Being a Sarawakian and under a Sarawakian scholarship, I had to come back to Sarawak to serve. Mm-hmm. I started work in the Sarawak General Hospital as a houseman. And later on, after I finished my internship, in medicine, mm-hmm. pediatrics and obstetrics and all this surgery, we were posted out to the rural areas.
0: Mm. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you were a medical officer with the Baram Health District, is that right? Yes, correct. Mm. And, and was that when you became part of the Flying Doctor Service as well?
1: Yes, it was really nice to be posted into to rural areas because I have lived in a city all my time. I actually grew up in Kuching and mm-hmm. never ventured out of Kuching and then to Kuala Lumpur to study. Mm-hmm. It was very different in the rural areas, and I really felt very blessed to have that opportunity.
0: Mm. When did you find out that? Did you know when you were posted to the rural areas that
1: you would be part of the flying doctor service? I was posted as a medical officer of health, so sort of in charge of all the rural health as mm-hmm. well as the Marudi hospital. One of my jobs then was to be a flying doctor to serve mm-hmm. the rural areas. Yes, I knew that I was going to get that job.
0: Mm. Was that something you were looking forward to at the time or were you a bit more apprehensive about what, what that would involve?
1: Well, I have no apprehension at all because by nature I'm always being curious and adventurous. so I really, really enjoyed my mm. stint in the rural areas. Mm.
0: So I know the FDS was started in 1975 uh, 73 if I'm not mistaken as a pilot project initially. Um, when were you part of the service?
1: I was posted to Marudi in 1980. So I was there from 1980
0: to 1982. Mm. Um, Maybe for the context of listeners who are not familiar with what the Flying Doctor Service is, Dr. Lo, could you explain um, what it does and why was it set up in Sarawak back in the 1970s?
1: Basically, it is to access to people in the rural areas who had no other ways of uh, seeing a doctor because at that time, the communication was very poor in Sarawak. And also to provide health care for mothers and children through the maternity and child health services. Mm. We provide vaccinations and antenatal checkups.
0: Mm. Being posted um, in in the Baram Health District and in Marudi, um, tell me a bit about which, uh, which areas in Sarawak did you serve as part of the FDS? Maybe give us a bit of a geography lesson because I think, unfortunately, I myself am not familiar with the areas there.
1: Okay, I serve in the Baram area, which is as big as the state of Pahang. Wow. And, uh, yeah, through which flow the second longest river in Sarawak called the Baram River. And along the Baram River, there are so many, many long houses. Uh, there are quite a number of uh, races living there, from Kayans, Kenyas, Punans. And then you also have the Barrio Highlands where you have the Kelabit living there. So it was a very big area. The communication was not good and we had to travel either by boat or helicopter and, and some very lousy roads, I would say.
0: Mm. Mm. What was that experience like to travel um, both by boat and by helicopter, was it? Um, what were
1: some of the specific challenges that you didn't expect? Well, basically, I'm scared of heights, but then, but the scenery was so beautiful that you forgot everything, what you're scared of. You know, mm. you were looking down from the heli, you saw the all the jungles, the tall durian trees, the hornbills flying the rivers like snakes mm-hmm. along the way and so many long houses that you can you could identify by the way they appeared. Mm-hmm. So I think it was so interesting that you have no time to be scared of anything for me at least. La. Though of course, my some of my friends may have uh, things to say because at that time, I, uh, we were still young and unaware of any things. Mm-hmm. So it was ignorance, it was bliss and <laughs> we really enjoyed our travels. Yeah.
0: Mm. who, you know, besides yourself as the medical officer, who else made up the flying doctor service team? Because um, I was reading that you can't actually have too many people on the team because the helicopter can't fit that many people.
1: Yeah, we have four in a team. Besides the pilot, the doctor will always sit in front there and the base of the, of the helicopter was actually glass and you could look through it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Behind us will be uh, two nurses and a medical assistant the two nurses could be a public health nurse or a midwife. And then at the very back, we will have a compartment. We put all our boxes of medicine. And then when we came back, our medicine will be empty, but instead we'll be filled with rice and all the nice things that the, our patients will give us as gifts.
0: Mm. Oh, wow. Wow. Um- I want to find out more about what you did when you visited these, um, these long houses, these areas, um, because you're such a small team, right? It's, there's just four of you. Um, you mentioned a bit about maternal health. Maybe talk to me a bit about that first. Why is that such an important part of the healthcare service?
1: Well, pregnant mothers need to be checked up before they deliver to see whether they have any complications, whether they have high blood pressure or maybe the baby was lying in an abnormal position or not growing properly. So it was our duty to make sure that these mothers are properly checked and if they have a normal pregnancy, then they will be allowed to deliver in the rural clinics but if we happen to spot a complication, like if it's a bridge presentation or twins, then we would advise them to come down early for treatment. Mm. Otherwise, oh, the mother or the baby may suffer. The other thing about maternal and child health care are all the little children. Mm. You'll be surprised how many babies they have. You know, I was in some of the long house and they kept on producing babies every, every year. So part of our job actually is to give them some contraception to advise them to have take some pills so they don't keep on having babies because you have too many babies without any spacing the mother would be, would be may have suffer from anemia and the children may be malnourished and besides a lot of the mothers have to go to the farms to work as well and they will have to carry the babies to with them we also advise them to have breastfeeding mm. to vaccinate the babies so that they won't get um common illnesses like at that time, we even had measles injection mm. besides uh, diphtheria, poliomyelitis and tetanus. And we would advise them to have breastfeeding. Although adult, in those days, um, they all have breastfed their babies, so it was quite okay.
0: Mm. When it comes to things like family planning, Dr. Lo, that's actually a, a problem with access, isn't it? Because they live in an area where they might not know of, or even if they know they don't have access to um family planning, uh,
1: contraception and things like that. Yes, it's true. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, they need to uh, space out their babies and the nurses will bring the pills with them and then we will do pap smears for them as well. This mm. is to check for cancer of cervix. and we will do breast examination for mothers. This is all part of uh, cancer detection as well.
0: Mm. So as part of your visits, each of your visits um, would... Uh, so I understand that you can the flying doctor service can only visit each location once a month. Um, and that's because of a resource issue. How do you prioritize what to do then when you get to the longhouse? You know, what what happens?
1: Oh, when we when even before we landed, I think we looked like dragonflies to the little children. They were waiting for us on the ground, looking <laughs> up in the air. <laughs> so when we landed, there were a lot of uh know, sand and everything flying all around. And we we started to get work immediately because Hundreds of them will be around us oh, because wow. everybody look to us like uh it's a big occasion. It's an excuse for the children to, spontane, to not go to school, the farmers to stop work. So everybody will be around us. So that's why you can imagine there are hundreds of them. Uh, how to prioritize? The We have an MA or a medical assistant. He will screen all the cases. Of course, the, the, the most sick ones, like those who have chronic cough or very bad skin diseases or malnutrition, or once in a while, high blood pressure, all this, they get referred to the doctors. Mm-hmm. They, 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 and the, all our assistants are very, very good. They are very skilled and very, very fast with their work as well. And the two nurses will get, will get to looking after the mothers and giving the injection. So it was a great teamwork and we could always finish our work on time because we normally wouldn't want to stay overnight in a location because the helicopter couldn't fly at night. So we had to leave before the sun set.
0: Mm. Hmm. what would happen dr Lowe, if say for example you know you don't have the medication that that a patient needs or if it's a patient is in a serious condition that they need to go to a hospital right what how would you manage those kind of situations
1: the Flying Doctor actually served as an air ambulance. It was actually modeled, mm-hmm. I think, after the Australian Flying, Flying mm-hmm. Doctor service, which started in 1928 in Australia. And I happened to visit Alice Prince in, uh, in Australia to see the Flying Doctor Museum. So it, it sort of reminded me of my past days. So when we don't, we don't have the medicine and the mother is is very sick. For example, she has obstructed labor; the baby mm. couldn't come up. Then we had to arrange for medivac. Or if somebody has uh, a very very bad uh infection, pneumonia, or or even they have a fracture, or they sometimes we do have we did have a lot of timber accidents in those days, mm. um, which could be life threatening. Then we would arrange for helicopter to fly them over mm. instead. Yeah, mm. to the nearest hospital. I mean.
0: Alright, we do have to go for a quick break. Now on the show with me today is Dr. Lo Yunhua, is sharing more about her long career working um, in the Sarawak healthcare system and her early years serving rural communities in the Baram District through the Flying Doctor Service. Now we'll hear more from her after a few messages, so keep it here on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And you're listening to a special episode in conjunction with Malaysia Day where we're hearing from Dr. Lo Yun-Hua, um, a physician who has been based in um, Sarawak from the early years of her career. Now, Dr. Lo has been sharing um, in particular about her experiences working with the Flying Doctor Service back in the 80s when she was assigned at the Baram Health District. Um, Now, Dr. Lo, how different are the health issues that you see in these areas, compared to what would you see, or what you would see when you're back at the clinic, for example.
1: Well, in the rural urban areas, we are, you know, we have a desk life. We, I think we have more psychological problems like depression, anxiety due to the stress of work or family. Mm-hmm. In contrast, the people in the rural areas are were well, more happy, lucky, happy-go-lucky. Um, And Luckily, uh, in those days, they didn't have uh, fast food, so they were taking quite a good natural diet. And non-communicable diseases like diabetes and hypertension were not very common. So it was different in that uh, we have more of the communicable diseases in rural areas, but not so in the rural areas.
0: Mm. Uh, So what kind of um, diseases would be unique to um, rural areas?
1: Mostly because they stay in long houses, they in close proximity, so they're more prone to infectious diseases like mm. skin diseases, especially scabies. We see, we saw mm. a lot of scabies and um, coughs and calls. Um, so it's more, mostly like com- these are ordinarily communicable diseases. Mm. So
0: you would be prepared to deal with all of this because you know that these communicable diseases would
1: be present in these communities, right? Yes, and sometimes we do see malnutrition, maybe mm. not taking enough protein, especially among the punans because I think they are nomadic people. They don't eat a lot of fish and they don't, have, so they, they are not so balanced their diet.
0: Mm. What were your interactions um, with the villagers like? You know, Because like you say, when you arrive, they're always there to greet you, right? But what is it like when you're interacting with them one-on-one as well?
1: Well, uh, it was a very cordial and friend- friendly interaction. Um, even though sometimes they speak in their own dialects, for example, mm. kayan, kenya, punan, Barawan, mm. most, most of them could speak um, in a bahasa. We communicated mainly in bahasa. And... Um, And along the way, we managed to learn some of the indigenous languages as well. So it was quite fun learning from each other. And whatever we could not understand, we always use sign language. And whenever, whenever anything didn't get through, we just had a good laugh. (laughs) So really
0: you just make do with what you can, right? Yes. Mm. Um, with Indigenous communities, Dr Lo, you know, we know that they have their own culture, they have their own way of life, um, and this always includes traditional medicine as well. How did you reconcile that with the healthcare services that you and your team came in to provide? Because um, were they receptive towards it? Did you have to do some convincing? How do you talk to them about it?
1: Surprisingly, the people were very, I would say, obedient, much more than the urban people who will challenge you when you say when you say they have their and then Oh they were very obedient and they, and they they really listened to us considering a uh, traditional folk practice i think the people have Knowledge that have been passed down through the generations mm. from grandmothers, grandfathers. For example, if they had a cut in the hand, they would use certain leaves to put on them. And um, if they have cold, uh, fever, or something, they had the traditional thing. So we accepted them mm-hmm. as long as um, um as long as they are not harmful mm. and and also they comply with what we prescribe as well.
0: Mm. So that's really like a a situation where you see both traditional and modern medicine complementing each other, right? It's not choosing one or the other, but if it works for you and as long as it doesn't harm the other one, that's fine.
1: Yes, and I would say coming back to interaction, um, I still maintain my friendship with all those people in the Ulu when they come down, Mm -hmm. come and look for me. I still have so many photographs of them and even paintings about them. So we were really friends for all these years.
0: Yeah. Mm. you've You've been based in Sarawak all these years. You're now based in Miri. How has, from, as, as a healthcare worker, right, you've, seen, you've worked in the government service, you've worked in your own private practice. How do you, have you seen access um, of healthcare services in these more rural areas change over the year? Have, has it improved um, or are there still problems?
1: Definitely, it has improved a lot because uh, we have more roads nowadays. Mm. The last time when we went to Barrio, we only had to fly. Mm. But now they had some roads though, not very good roads, but it took very long, 12 hours. (laughs) Mm. And also to uh, many, many long houses nearby, like the Mulu Cave, Long Tarawan, all this. You could go by one or two hours to Marudi using roads, reasonable roads, but Mm. still much to be improved. Long Lama. Most of them are accessible, so that's why uh, they could come down now. I would say much better accessibility now. I only wish that they could improve even better the roads. And talking about availability of um, health services, Mm -hmm. recently I heard that there were some doctors from Simranjong who refused to be posted to Sarawak. Mm -hmm. But I would like to tell them Sarawak people are very nice, and though the roads are not so nice, and I have known of many West Malaysian doctors who have come here and they didn't even want to leave Sarawak and have make it their home already. So do come over. We still need more doctors. And as long as we practice as a doctor with an open heart and stay true to our commitment to serve, I think uh, your journey as a doctor will be a very enjoyable one.
0: Hmm. How has your experience, especially working as a medical officer with the Flying Doctor Service, you know, interacting with these communities, um, in the more rural areas, how has that changed? How you view your role as a doctor?
1: Oh, I always told people that my the happiest days of my life as a doctor was when I served in the rural areas. Going to the rural areas have really opened my eyes that you no, know, we are, uh, we town people are just a little bit of the culture. The real beauty actually of the country lies in its original people, and they are so heartwarming, and it has opened my eyes to treat everybody as equal no matter what race or um, what status um financial economy social they're all people and they're all everybody is the same everybody wants to be loved and uh, we must understand and try to be friends don't put on an air now you are nobody you're no better than anybody um we just everybody is equal so we just just be friends that's all and and, it, and these people, when I mean, you are nice to them, they are your friend for, for the life and I find that I really love love those people and even to these days, we are still friends.
0: Mm. What have you heard from them as well? You know, Because you've been in contact with, with many of them over the years, right? What do they also want to see
1: improved in Sarawak? Oh yes, definitely the communication. Uh, because once you have roads, then you have development. Mm-hmm. Then you improve their financial status. Now they have some farms, and they can, can carry their things to town to be sold. But unfortunately, there's a lot of rural urban migration as well. Mm-hmm. Children came to the come to town to study, and then they stay back. And the longhouses are pretty empty and lonely, mm-hmm. except for Christmas or whatever festivals. Then they will be back. So I hope that they will improve the roads and everything, the culture, the beauty of the place will be maintained and the people are proud of their culture, sustain their culture, you know. Um, just like uh, once upon a time I was in Mongolia, a lot of Mongolian have left their, you know, those, their deserts and all this sort of thing, but now they are starting to go back when there are opportunities in their homeland. So I wish that the, the infrastructure of South will improve and people will go back to the rural areas mm. and make it a nice and happy place to stay. Mm.
0: Dr. Lo, you left government service in 1982, you've set up your own private practice in Miri, but you've not stopped giving back to society. Now, I was reading about some of the things you've done. You're part of the Palliative Care Association in Miri, you're part of the Sarawak Family Planning Association, there's the Miri Red Crescent Dialysis Centre as well. Um, Just naming a few here, what motivates you to continue to do all these things, to give back to society?
1: Well basically I think um maybe I'm a very capable or busy body. <laughs> okay. I, I just I I think I just like to do something mm. when I'm free and it's life is not about focusing on yourself going shopping or looking at the mirror all day. You no. Know? There are many people out there who need to be helped and it's just it's it's just really it's more blessed to give than to receive. When you serve other people you feel even more happy, I think. I think so So we should all do a little bit to make society a little bit better.
0: Hmm. Looking back at your career so far, Dr. Lo, what would you say has been the most memorable moment of, of, of it all?
1: Can you choose? My oh, well, most memorable time? I think um talking about private practice, the most memorable if you manage to... You no, know, I have some patients who... I've, one, one lady in particular, she almost wanted to commit suicide. I have spent so many hours talking to her. And I was so surprised one day when there was a knock on my clinic door. Mm-hmm. And this girl just this lady just popped me and said, Thank you. You know, wow. I could not, I, I I I didn't know she was still alive, but then she said thank you to me. And and I'm so glad that um that just by talking to her, I have saved somebody from committing something. And also, a lot of women with um, family problems would approach me, you know, and then you, it's just a, a matter of just listening to them and, mm. and, and and having some empathy. And I think people will appreciate you. I think empathy is very important in life.
0: Mm. That's in life. And, and I think especially in your field as a physician, you need empathy when you're talking to your patients.
1: Yeah, because as a doctor, I've I have also uh, a, a, B, C, D, up to Z. I also have a lot of complication, asthma, and what this, I know that <laughs> difficult ch- difficult label. I have a lot of uh suffer a lot myself. Have been to operation, so so after each time you suffer, I have dengue fever. I have so many things, osteoarthritis, everything, knee pain, backache and all this. So and fracture also. <clears throat> so when people come to see me, oh, you know, you know how how they felt, I right? mm. Yeah. Mm.
0: You've also contributed to a, lo- a lot, of um good health and well being issues throughout your career. Um, I I saw that um back in 2021-2022, you awarded the Miri City Mayor's Award as well for that. Um, what do you hope for um things, especially when it comes to healthcare issues, to continue improving um especially in Sarawak.
1: Especially in Sarawak, um, I think prevention is better than cure because I think Sarawak is getting like to be a lot like any other western country. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of fast food and people have uh, diet-related problems, you know, lifestyle, they have diabetes, hypertension. You no, know, people eat a lot of salty and fast food, especially the younger uh, younger people. And mm-hmm. um, recently I joined the Tsuti, you know, they have this uh, total plant food mm-hmm. and 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 it was it was amazing how they instituted a 21-day plan on total plant food. And how people's diabetes, blood pressure, cholesterol was all controlled. So I think pe- people should have more knowledge about healthy lifestyle to prevent. Because once you have diabetes and hypertension, you, you get stroke, heart attack, dementia, all these are related. Mm. So to have a long and happy life, do what we can. We can't stay away from our genes, but we can modify our lifestyle. I think it applies not only to straw, but to everybody in, mm. in general.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all of that, Dr. Lo. It's been very inspiring to speak to you.
1: Thank you, Suan. It's a pleasure talking to you.
0: I've been speaking to Dr. Lo Yun-Hua about her experiences working with the Flying Doctor Service with the Baram Health District in the 80s and how it has shaped her work as a physician in conjunction with Malaysia Day. I'm Lim Suan, and this has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast